0: RadioInfluence.com.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight podcast with Beans. Frank is on his way back from doing Tim Pool IRL last night was pretty cool show watched some of it myself it was interesting it was fun it was all the things i have a bunch of little business things to do before we get started today in full but i have a lot of things to talk about a lot of stuff going on um this hearing my goodness this hearing yesterday and and so many things that revolve around that too um just a ton but before we do that i want to let everybody know i am super super excited that starting this weekend we are broadcasting on Real Talk 933, that's uh, 93.3 FM, 104.3 FM, and uh, 107.3 FM in Missouri. So, hello to you Missourians. Is that how they say it? I'm super excited to be joining you. Super excited to be joining the family. So glad you're going to get the benefit of the Dark Delight podcast or radio show um, on your radios every weekend. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, that'll be weekends. You're going to be listening to us on weekends. Awesome stuff. So, With that being said, um, something amazing happened yesterday before we get into news business and shenanigans. Um, Viviana has a friend named Lindsay, and Lindsay is 16, just like Viviana is. And like four months ago, Viviana came home from school and she told me, hey, mom, um, Lindsay is pregnant. And I said, whoa, I said, whoa, really? She's like, yeah. Um, And I said, well, what is she going to do? You know, because that's the age old question for teenagers who get pregnant. And she said without hesitation, she's going to keep the, the baby. So I was like, wow, that's that's something boyfriend still in the picture, keeping the baby. Everything was going along swimmingly until, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. And uh, Viviana has been keeping me kind of in the loop about all this. And Lindsay, um, there's a problem. The baby's bladder is there's a kidney bladder issue. And the baby's bladder right now is obstructing. So it's too large and it's causing issues with amniotic fluid and a bunch of other stuff. And um, she has to go to Cincinnati, Cincinnati Children's Hospital to see if she's a candidate to get surgery to fix this problem before before it harms baby. And she was telling me yesterday when I was talking to her on the phone how many people tried to get her to abort along the way. And given What's going on right now with Roe v. Wade and the ter- I just said, you know what? This is a, a young woman who has chosen life, right? I mean, granted, nobody wants a teen pregnancy. Um, I'm sure many of you have dealt with this in your families and friends, families. It happens. It's not something that doesn't happen. And as a parent, no matter how many times you you try to teach your kids the, you know, the perils of engaging in sexual behavior before they're ready um, you try and instill that morality inside of them. You try to instill a sense of, of, you know, how important it is to cherish that and the act itself. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do sometime. And so, what's beautiful about this story to me is that the, the boyfriend is stepping up. The, you know, Lindsay is stepping up and they're doing everything they can for this baby. So she had took, Viviana just had mentioned in passing, like, Oh, she started a um, she started a fundraiser to try and help with um, medical expenses and travel costs and, you know, whatever. They're not like loaded. So it's hard to do all this. And I said, you know what? I can't sit by and not share this and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And I know, you know, we talk a big game about choosing life all the time. And now someone did and they need help. And it was just, I was called to share this fundraiser, and I did. And she was looking to raise $10,000. And you guys, and I'm almost like in tears, within an hour, um, had raised almost half. And by the end of the night, we were past goal. And now this little girl can, um, this woman, can rest a little easier, at least knowing her expenses are covered, to get to where she needs to go to have this procedure done, hopefully. And it was just amazing. Like you got, seriously, don't ever, I'm excited today because we are inherently a good people. No matter what you say, no matter what anyone says, we are a good, God-fearing, loving people. So I'm sending out huge prayers and love to Lindsay and her family and her boyfriend on this journey and God will God will act and hopefully protect this this baby. And he can also be an amazing human, um, baby Tyler. And it just so happened that Lindsay's great aunt follows me on Truth Social. <laughs> I had no idea. So in came Lindsay's great aunt saying, hey, Lindsay's my niece. Imagine my surprise when I saw this. I, just It's just crazy the way the world works. Absolutely insane. So thank you all for that. Everybody out there who stepped up, I appreciate you. Amazing. Um, Separately from that, we had a bunch of primary stuff go on yesterday. New York in particular. Um, New York primary for governor. Oh, what a heated subject this one is. I waded into this, not realizing it at all, because I'll tell you why. Lee Zeldin, Lee Zeldin, congressman, former congressman Lee Zeldin won the primary for New York governor. Now he was running against three other candidates, one of whom being Andrew Giuliani, who came in second place with like 20 something percent of the vote was really a really great showing for a first time political candidate. Really great. And it got dirty there a little bit, apparently in this race. Um, and I have a whole bunch of people coming at me, telling me that Lee Zeldin is a rhino and I'm just having a hard time with it because that's not the Lee Zeldin that I know. And I I mean, could I be wrong about it? Absolutely. Stranger things have happened. But I will never forget this because I was a young, very young activist. It was 2010, I believe. Um, I believe. Don't quote me. But I was with my business manager at Uncover DC, Gigi. And we were in New York at her house in Huntington. And we like Gigi particular, in particular worked really hard because Lee Zeldin had never been elected to public office before. is running for state senate, I believe. And Gigi would have him over in her backyard around a campfire like once a week or once every two weeks. Don't quote me. It was years ago now, 12 years ago. And we would all sit around and talk about the things that needed to change. And he spent a lot of time in people's backyards and talking to people. And he has never... Like whenever Gigi has seen him at CPAC or have like crossed paths with him on social media, he has always been the same Lee Zeldin that I remember from the backyard. And it's never changed. So for me to hear people screaming at me that he's a rhino and then somebody screaming at me that he voted to certify the election. And I said, wait a second. And then I said, show me what you're talking about. Also, that he called Trump a racist. That was another one that really is a stretch, guys. It's really a stretch. I mean, I finally got my hands on the clip that everybody was screaming about. So it's really a stretch. It, it, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like he's calling Trump a racist. It sounds like he's in the middle of a bad situation trying to weasel his way out of it. Like someone's asking him questions and whatever It, it it's. And so the person that tells me that Lee Zeldin is a rhino and voted against certifying the election sends me a link to his voting records. She, she says, I've done my research and you're wrong. I've done research. Have you? And I said, well, let me see. Like, show me what you're talking about. Right. When I come to the table with something, I give facts, data, receipts. I bring the receipts. I say, here, look at this. Look at this. This person sent me a website. I went to the website. I click on it. And the very first thing that comes up, the very first thing that comes up in the paragraph summarizing ready as constituents of Representative Lee Zeldin, we've been tracking his votes since he was a New York State Senator 2010 to 14 and during his congressional career. Now that he's running for governor, we're working to spread the word on his voting record and dispel bogus claims that he's bipartisan. Far from it. Zeldin is an anti-abortion extremist who voted to overturn the 2020 election and has close ties to the seditious Oath Keepers. I'm a bit confused because you had just screamed at me for an hour about how he had voted to certify the election. And then the link that you sent me brings me... To a website that shows that he didn't do that. So I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about Zeldin. I'm not staking claim that I'm 100% correct because I've been gone. I've been out of New York, but I remember Spygate and I remember Lee Zeldin up there loud and clear during the whole Spygate debacle. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like he's a rhino. But that's the Giuliani message, I guess, was that he was a rhino and Giuliani did a good job, even though Lee Zeldin won. But I will say at the end of the day, guys, Lee Zeldin is better than Kathy Hochul. Lee Zeldin or Andrew Giuliani or any of the other candidates that ran would be light years better than Kathy Hochul. Your New York is not South Carolina. okay? New York is not. I don't know what's another big red state, Florida where you get the luxury of being picky once a Republican wins a primary. Not only that, but don't forget, guys, the Republican in the the, the New York's Electoral College votes. Never, never New York, New York's electors, I should say, never go to the Democrat. I mean, to the Republican ever. So just remember that as a lifelong New Yorker until I came to South Carolina about eight years ago. Now, that's been the case. Also, Something really sad, because there are a lot of Republicans in New York. A lot of them. A lot of them. The turnout. The turnout in New York. So Kathy Hochul wins her primary. 501,103 votes. She takes 67%. And that's only after 51% of the votes had been counted. The Republican primary. Ready? Zeldin, 140,755 think about that. That is not because that is not because there aren't 500,000 Republicans in New York. It's because the Republicans in New York didn't get off their butts and go vote in their primary for governor. That's a problem. That's a problem, guys. Get that turnout up or we're going to have a big problem. So there's a turnout issue. Burgess Owens win. One. i will be okay. I'll be alright. Um, There were a bunch of other Trump Backed wins. But the thing I want to talk about that's interesting. Um, well, there was another one I wanted to talk about actually. Colorado GOP House candidate Lori Sane, who was, this is basically what it is, um, who was supported by Pelosi's PAC, loses the primary. So what's happening now is that Democrats, because they know that they have probably zero shot and they're in a really rough place, are going in and supporting underdog quote right Republican candidates with dollars. So they're going in and they're saying we are going to fund ads against your competitor because we would rather you win than them. So we're going to give you money and try and help you. And they, they are calling the candidates that they're supporting extremists. It's not working, but it's an interesting strategy. It's not going to work, but it's an interesting strategy. And in the rare case that it does work, They're not picking, quote, extremist right wing candidates that don't already have a chance to win because that would be an exact like an a complete exacerbation of what they were trying. Like it would be an exacerbation of stupid is what it would be. So what they're doing is they're funding ads against the competitors of the people they're choosing as the candidate to win because they assume that the Democrat can come in and, and beat this candidate really easily. But they're assuming wrong. That's the problem. I think they spent against uh, Mastriano, even though Mastriano flew away with it. So let's let's go through this really quickly. Republican voters in Colorado's new eighth congressional district picked state senator Barbara Kirkmeyer as their nominee Tuesday, rejecting Democratic efforts to boost former state rep Lori Sane, who received financial backing from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's PAC. Kirkmeyer, a Colorado state senator, garnered 40.9 percent of the vote. While Thornton mayor Jan Coleman got twenty two point eight and sane took nineteen point six with ninety seven percent of the vote tallied. Colorado is one of several states where Democrats have aided conservative or quote far right candidates. Far right nowadays just means normal everyday American. I want everybody to understand that far right is going to be moderate centrist in a in a few days that that's the way the scale is is shifting um So they're aiding conservatives or far-right candidates betting they'll be easier to defeat in the fall. That was the case with Sane, who was boosted by 46,000 in TV ads by the Pelosi-run House Majority PAC. The ad highlighted Sane's support for former President Donald Trump's voter fraud claims in 2020, as well as her anti-abortion and pro-gun rights stances. So it's almost like a be careful what you wish for scenario, right? Because... The electorate is, is very is not tempered right now. They're very angry. Um, and so that'll be interesting. I want to jump into this January 6th committee hearing that happened yesterday, even though I know all of us are collectively rolling our eyes. The winds that have, we've been racking up lately have been so mon- monumental. I'm so, like there are some days where I come on here and talk to you guys and I'm downtrodden and low and sad. Not today. Not today. Today, I'm I'm relatively excited about the landscape Um yesterday. They had this they had this this former Meadows aide, Cassidy Huss- Hutchinson. She went and took the stand and she she testified a, a bunch of a bunch of things that are just absolutely ridiculous on their face. So <laughs> she says that. President Trump that day was trying to let armed protesters avoid security screenings at a rally that morning to protest the election and later grabbed at the steering wheel of the presidential SUV when the Secret Service refused to let him go to the Capitol. Now, let's just break those things down. Number one, not one, not one weapon, because this is one of the biggest flaws in their ridiculous story. Not one weapon was found. Nobody was arrested with a gun an a r anything none of them none of them were with- in possession of a weapon. zero of them zero a big goose egg so that that's ridiculous. So trying to bring in some overzealous you know gun talk to the situation to make it seem as though there was some armed conflict ready to happen. <laughs> And it's comical at this point. Um, she also... The, the the SUV thing, we're going to get to it in a second. We're going to get to that in a second because um, there are Secret Service agents that have stepped forward that want to go on the record and under oath and testify against that claim. Now... That won't happen as we know people have asked and begged to go in front of the January 6th committee even without representation to tell the truth and they won't have them there. So guys if you want to avoid testifying in front of the uh, January 6th committee just ask them if you can come and it seems like that's the golden ticket. If you ask them if you can come and tell them that you have tons of evidence they won't let you go. But if you say that you you know don't want to, they'll bring you in there. Um, another thing they did yesterday, too, which is disgusting and you cannot do in a regular court or trial, which this obviously is not. I'm not even make, But they General Flynn apparently invoked his Fifth Amendment right to not answer questions. Good for him. They're using that as a weapon against him, saying that because he didn't answer the questions, he's guilty, quote, of something now. In a court of law, if you do that, it's an immediate mistrial. You cannot use a defendant's silence against them in a in a criminal trial. You can't do that. You cannot do it. There's a reason for it. There's a reason why somebody may not want to answer a question. There's a reason why somebody has the right to re- remain silent. Because anything you say can and will be used against you, especially with these freak jobs. Woo! My goodness. So... The testimony from Hutchinson went on and apparently nobody liked this girl. Um, she also said that President Trump threw food at somebody like what? The? So obviously the ridiculous of the ridiculousness of the testimony sh- shook me. Right. And then I'm sitting back and I'm thinking about it. And I'm looking at it. And now we've got two Secret Service agents who have come forward um, who want to testify or come or speak on the record. And they are former uh, President Donald Trump's lead Secret Service agent is reportedly ready to testify that testimony given by a former White House staffer on Wednesday to the January 6th House committee is false. Cassidy Hutchinson, a former aide to White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows. It was Tuesday, not Wednesday, by the way, claimed that Trump on the day of January 6th tried to get the Secret Service to take him to the U.S. Capitol building and that he became enraged when they wouldn't do it because the area wasn't secure. Hutchinson claimed that Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of the armored presidential limousine and that Bobby Engel, who was the lead security detail, had to tell him, Sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. Now, there's a problem with that because... First of all, AP completely butchered that testimony. She testified it was the presidential limo. The presidential limo, there is no access for the president from where he sits to reach the steering wheel at all, and he would never be sitting in the front seat. So that was completely debunked right off the bat. NBC News chief White House, House, uh So, by the way, AP said that she said that they were in the presidential SUV. Same problem. OK, so AP tried to cover her tracks and edit the story, and it didn't work. Um, everything is easily refuted. NBC News Chief White House Correspondent Peter Alexander tweeted, a source close to the Secret Service tells me Bobby Engel, the lead agent, and the presidential limousine SUV driver are prepared to testify under oath that neither man was assaulted and that Mr. Trump never lunged for the steering wheel. The committee brought this woman in front of them to testify to these things and didn't even vet it not, look, I don't think that they would, like, they don't have pure motives. Clearly, they don't have pure motives, right? We we already know that. That's not what I'm saying. To save their own butt, if you're going to lie about something, you'd think that people would at least try, try to make it believable. They didn't do any checking at all, which makes me wonder a few things. Like, there's more I'm going to get to in this article because it's really well done. Because even left-wing media, establishment media is coming out and saying, wait a second, The January 6th committee basically destroyed every last shred of credibility they even could have had on the left yesterday with this witness, which makes me wonder if she didn't do it on purpose. Now, from what I'm seeing from the right, it doesn't appear as though she did do it on purpose. Doesn't seem like seem like she was very well liked. Doesn't seem like she was um, held in any high esteem or regard. Uh, President Trump says he doesn't even know her, which I don't think is true. I don't know. Um, But who what would make her like what would make her? She told such obviously disprovable or, or provable lies, I should say. She chose chose to say things that were so ridiculous. They were easily disproven. And she did it just with with disregard complete. Like she just went up there and threw her hands up in the air and said all these things. Now, the people that can can offer a contrary opinion want to come forward and go under oath and testify. And the committee is definitely not going to have them. And so, again, it just shows the nonsense. And every time that Liz Cheney plays the clip of the of Trump speech, she edits out the part where he says peacefully walk to the cap. And supposedly the Justice Department is relying on these hearings. It would make sense. This is the kind of Justice Department we freaking have. This is what the Justice Department does nowadays. So it would make sense to me, I guess. But more tweets. The Secret Service responded to Hutchinson's claims in a statement. The U.S. Secret Service has been cooperating with the select committee since its inception in spring of 2021 and will continue to do so, including by responding on the record to the committee regarding the new allegations surfaced in today's testimony. Washington it now, I will say this about the Secret Service. They don't do do this partisan nonsense. They really don't. I know that everybody thinks, you know, oh, trust they don't do it. They don't they, It's one agency, I think, at least, that still re- maintains some semblance of, of nonpartisan behavior. As a matter of fact, um, a former secret Service agent uh, attorney, oh no, that's I conflated two stories. I'll get to both of them, but <laughs> yesterday. Um, the Federalist had an article out about what they're trying to what they're trying to do to one of the attorneys for president trump um also in the committee completely lying about him, completely lying about him so it's 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 something else, and they're they're just they don't care like I've never seen anything like it outside of the impeachment hearings where Adam Schiff just brazenly lies, and they don't care they just they don't care. Even the Washington Post, guys, Washington Post reporter Josh Dawsey noted on Twitter that the January 6th select committee has Secret Service testimony that would seemingly corroborate or dispute what Cassidy Hutchinson said today, but it wasn't played. Trump responded by writing on social media on Truth Social. I hardly know who this person Cassidy Hutchinson is, other than I heard very negative things about her, that she was a phony and a leaker. Wouldn't be surprised if she's earnestly up there testifying to these nonsense stories. By the way, she wasn't saying she witnessed this stuff. She was saying she heard it from other people. So it's hearsay or gossip. It is never allowed in a court. You can never have hearsay in a court. If somebody says so-and-so said that, it, 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 it's a very fine line in a court with hearsay. It's very, it's very, very detailed and very nuanced and very important. If you followed any 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 court cases or analysis, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, she she requested Trump goes on. And when she requested to go with certain others of the team to Florida after my having served a full term in office, I personally turned her request down. Why did she want to go with us if she felt we were so terrible? Because she wanted to infiltrate or or she was doing this on purpose. It's one of the two. I don't know which. There has been no qualms in the inner workings of things, guys, that that President Trump sadly is surrounded by a bunch of really horrible, bad people that aren't giving him the right information or advice. So if you think a bunch of them didn't sneak on through, you'd be mistaken. Trump's claim uh, that Hutchinson wanted to work for him after he left the White House is somewhat corroborated by a corroborated by a January 14, 2021 tweet from Bloomberg news reporter Jennifer Jacobs, who wrote, quote, AIDS had assumed Trump would fly to Mar-a-Lago when he leaves the White House, but now it's definite. He's heading to Florida, and several aides will continue to work for him, including Nick Luna, Molly Michael, and Cassidy Hutchinson. He also added later that he didn't, quote, want or request that we make room for people with guns to watch my speech. Who would ever want that? Besides, there were no guns found or brought into the Capitol building, so where were all of these guns? He also said that the statements about him trying to grab the steering wheel were fake and the allegation was sick and fraudulent, very much like the unselect committee itself. Quote, wouldn't it even have been possible to do such a ridiculous thing. Her story of me throwing food is also false. And why would she have to clean it up? I hardly knew who she was. So I don't know what's happening here. But honestly, it boggles the mind that the left in and the establishment are really, truly that stupid. And not only that they're that stupid, but they think that we are that stupid. That is our one, gosh, that is our extra arrow in the, in the quiver, right? They think you're dumb. They think you're an idiot and a moron. And you're not. And <laughs> the very large majority of this country is not. I want you to understand, there are some really, really moronic people out there. Trust me. You know it. But the majority of us are pretty, pretty darn smart. And we use our noggins. And so... <laughs> This was just, I mean, the whole thing. It's just it's almost too too good. Um on January sixth stuff too, Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly, who was um who's running for governor in, in, in Michigan, he's a GOP candidate for governor. He was arrested for his role in January 6th, and all of a sudden now, because they arrested him, they like you know, they did the normal Republican arrest where they battered into his home um, while CNN sat outside and they held him at gunpoint and whatever. Um, he was arrested for his role in January 6th. Now he's a frontrunner. He was an afterthought as, uh, as per NBC News. He was an afterthought in Michigan's Republican primary, a real estate broker who served on a local planning commission while cultivating a following on the far right fringe. Guys, he had, he had a following on the far right Fringe. You know who they call far right now? Glenn Greenwald, okay? <laughs> Glenn Greenwald, of uh, Snowden fame, creator of The Intercept that he had to step down from because they got so utterly ridiculous. You know who else they're going to be calling progressive, uh, I'm sorry, uh, far right soon? Jimmy Dore. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's funny. <laughs> I can't. But since the FBI arrested him on misdemeanor charges for his role in the attack on the US Capitol on January 6th, he has emerged as a front runner. Maybe the front runner NBC says. No one else in the race, Kelly bragged here last week, showed the devotion he did by being on the scene of what turned into a deadly riot aimed at keeping then president Donald Trump in power. It was only deadly because of the police. I know that's controversial to say, but have you seen the evidence? It's the the police did it. Do you guys see the tunnel video? I'm sorry. No one else in the race showed the devotion. He did. No one. In a GOP field scrambled by first by the disqualification of two leading candidates and then by the FBI raid on his home on the day of the House January 6th committee began its nationally televised hearings. Circumstances have conspired to catapult Kelly to the front of the pack. He's been catapulted. He's been catapulted right up to the front. And I can't find the rest of the article because it's hidden under a bunch of ads. So it's starting to continue somewhere. And I, I really was looking forward to finishing the reading of this article in my dramatic movie voice for you. Because it's, it's pathetic at this point. But apparently, Ryan Kelly, who's running for governor in, in Michigan, is now uh, the frontrunner. It says Kelly's surge has early echoes of Doug Mastriano's primary victory in Pennsylvania. And suggests the GOP could soon nominate another election denier. Is that what they're calling us now? Election deniers? Whatever. Hey, um, we'll have a piece. And if you're listening on Saturday, by the way, or Sunday, we have a piece up at Uncovered DC that covers the hearing uh, that Jovan Hunt and Pulitzer gave. You know, he's on the station. Perfect stuff. The other day about the forensic audit of the paper in the Maricopa County election. I don't want to, I do do just make sure you pay attention to this. This is something else. And this isn't, you know, um, speculation on the part of Jovan. He had the paper. Okay. So say what you want. I always find it interesting when people come out attacking people, actually doing stuff. Makes me scratch my head about motivations. He had the paper. If you're ever parroting a legacy media talking point while trying to attack somebody, on the quote right side of things reevaluate your situation for a second sit back and think am i really doing the right thing here could i be wrong about this could the person who is leading this barrage be mistaken or nefarious in any way <laughs> let me let me think about that for a second so we're going to turn to um we're going to turn to some sad news now um and it's happening all over the place and it's getting to the point where it's, it's unbelievable, undeniable, even for the most naive out there. What's going on? It's, it's happening to too many famous people. That's the problem. I've got a bunch of stories today about people having horrible attacks or illnesses or, um, just dying, passing away at very young ages. Um, and it's pretty terrible. So we're going to start with a couple of the injuries. Danny Bonaduce. People has a story. Danny Bonaducci couldn't walk at all and slurred really badly due to mystery illness. They have no idea. They have no idea what's going on with him. Does this sound familiar to anybody out there? Vaccine injury. It sounds very familiar to me because I've been covering it for almost, what, a year now. if not more since these vaccines started coming out. He was hoping for a diagnosis, but didn't get one. How many people out there right now are sick because they've gotten these shots and they have no idea why and doctors can't help them? He says, I couldn't walk at all. I couldn't balance. I couldn't do anything like that. He was afraid of everything, even his stares. He recounted the first signs of his illness showing up in April when his wife, Amy, noticed his speech was impaired. She looked really nervous and she said, you're not saying words. You're not speaking English. Danny recalled, which, of course, is preposterous to me. So he didn't even realize it. That happens a lot to people when they're speaking, when they're having a stroke anyway, and they're speaking and they're talking, but English is not coming out of their mouths. So nobody can understand them. And one time I was in the ER for something and there was a woman with me in the ER who was having this problem. And it's utterly it's it's so sad to watch Somebody who's desperately trying to communicate but cannot communicate using words. And they think they're saying what they want to say because they think it correctly. But it just does not translate out of their mouths. It's a terrifying experience. She was terrified. And it really struck me. Um, So they took him to the hospital. He remained for the first five days there. Doesn't remember any of it. And they ruled out a stroke, apparently, even though he had all of the symptoms of a stroke. And I guess he's um, slowly recovering. He's on a medical leave, uh, um, a medical leave, I'm sorry, trying to figure out what's going on with him, and he can't. That is not normal and has been happening quite a bit over the past several months to people in positions of stature that everybody else knows. Celine Dion is another one who rings a bell. Um, Steve Kirsch swears that Steve Kirsch is is a gentleman who um, does a ton of research on uh, vaccine injury and vaccines and stuff like that. He started a foundation surrounding it when he had a bunch of family members and friends near him who were suffering from vaccine injury and some of them died. I had a, this is anecdotal completely, completely anecdotal here, but I had somebody um, truth me, I guess who is a cardiologist. I don't know for sure. Um, but say he, he shared some Im- imaging of a heart. Handle is Dr. Patriot on Truth Social. Says seeing more and more cardiac tissue damage in healthy demographics previously thought to be almost impossible. This is a they show cardiac imaging, a short axis view of the left and right ventricle walls in this photo. And they show examples. And I asked, do you think that we're seeing this more and more right now because it takes time for these symptoms to develop or because people remain asymptomatic for a while before they realize any symptoms and then go to the doctor? Because myocarditis and myocarditis and pericarditis can silently rest there for a while before it gets bad enough that you feel anything. This is, this is troubling. Absolutely troubling. I mean, I, I you guys know I've been talking about this forever. So Danny Botaducci, Nick Nemiroff, comedian, 32 years old, died on Monday, suddenly died. Suddenly that's the, the new coin of phrase died. Suddenly we see it everywhere. It happens all the time. Now, and again, I keep on raising the question, is it happening more because we're seeing it and looking for it? Or is, has it always been like this? Or, and the excess death statistics rule out chance on, on this or our, our attention to it making it greater. The excess deaths are there. And, you know, I said it all along when we're really going to see this hit, hit front and center is when health insurance companies and life insurance companies are woefully underfunded and they're taking the hit. Because health insurance companies are having to pay disability claims, imaging claims, all kinds of stuff from people all over the country and the world that they are not used to paying from a healthy population. Right. So the insurance industry rests on healthy people funding the insurance of the not healthy people. You bank on the fact that the young and healthy in their 30s are not going to die or get so sick that they need the health care that a 90 year old would need. And sadly, we're seeing right now across the country that that's probably more often than not reversed at this point. Eventually, premiums are going to go up. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And then once that happens, you're going to start to hear people screaming about their health insurance premiums going up even more than they already are. We can get into the healthcare debate. That's a whole different story. But he passed away, and this was him August of last year.
2: I will not get the third shot. I will not. Pfizer me once, no shame. Pfizer me twice, shame on COVID. Pfizer me three times, shame on you. You may get a third shot. What's next? A fifth shot? No, thank you.
1: So he is double vaxxed. That was August of, of last year. So this is happening randomly to people a year later. It's terrifying. It is so terrifying. There was that one. What else? Oh, yes, there was. There was the Five Seconds of Summer concert. Okay, Five Seconds of Summer had to, um, you know, basically postpone a bunch of their shows for a very long time because of COVID and stuff and finally had this show. And initially, Five Seconds of Summer uh, drummer, Ashton Irwin, initially it was that he had heat stroke. And that's what happened. They were in Texas. It seemed like the AC went off on stage and he suffered heat stroke and had to stop. But a New York Post story says that he actually had stroke symptoms mid show. Does that sound like Danny Bonaducci to you? It says here five seconds of summer stopped midway through their set um, during a Woodlands, Texas concert on Sunday after drummer Ashton Irwin experienced symptoms of a stroke brought on by heat exhaustion crew members carried the 27-year-old Australian musician off the stage after the uh, the band's song, Lover of Mine. And he said that, um, or a user actually said, a TikTok user said, it felt like the stage AC had been turned off for a while and the venue was failing to provide water to fans. And then um, the band wrote, upon experiencing physical symptoms, Ashton was taken to a local hospital for tests and medical review. Now, he had posted after that, I suffered from an intense migraine brought on by heat exhaustion and overheating on stage, which made me lose my vision and gave me symptoms of a stroke on the left side of my body. I don't know. Heat stroke doesn't usually do that. Maybe it does. I'm not a doctor. but That's kind of crazy. Australian. Also, um, another one from this morning. Travis Barker rushed to the hospital Tuesday with his wife, Courtney Kardashian, by his side. 46 on a stretcher outside. Um, his daughter posting, please send your prayers. And um, at 1045 a.m. amid the medical emergency, he tweeted, God save me. It's all normal for 46 year olds to be rushed off to the hospital in stretchers. All the famous ones who are advocating mandatory vaccination. You know, it's, it's completely normal. Listen, <laughs> believe whatever you guys want to. I just know that I know what I know. I know what I know from facts and data and the facts and the data show that this is an absolutely deadly shot. It is killing people. I can say it without even thinking twice about it. And the ramifications of it are not going to be fully known for a very long time because a year later, people are randomly passing away in their sleep for no for no reason. Terrible. Um, Also, it's pretty interesting. I wanted to get to this wanda sykes leftist leftist comedian i want you to hear something i think she may be coming around here we go
0: how are you doing how are you doing i'm a black gay woman and i have a daughter so i'm not doing so well right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm a little salty you're a little salty. I'm a little salty right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll sprinkle a little yeah. salt. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put some flavor it on here. It just sucks, man. It, it it really does. I mean, you know, it's like the the country. It's no longer a democracy, right? I mean, we're it's, it's no longer majority rule.
1: No. Certainly no. Not. What? It's no longer majority rule, Wanda. Honey, honey. What you're about to do is such a marvelous self own. I have to interrupt you to tell it to tell everybody. It's no longer a democracy. Um, newsflash, we never were a democracy. It's never supposed to be majority rule. We are a constitutional republic, which is why anytime any one of our representatives, use that word very strongly, representatives goes out and says we are a democracy, the inside of me does somewhere an American flag stripe withers. Okay? We are a constitutional republic for the very reason you're about to lay out in this little diatribe on uh, the Colbert Show here.
0: Senate, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's no longer majority rule, and and I mean, it's like these judges that just they they basically lied when they were you know being during their confirmation hearings, right? Yeah, Yeah. Um, especially Kavanaugh. Yeah can you be a supreme court justice and you just and you just lying you know what they had their fingers crossed or something or what i mean mm-hmm. it's yeah it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just a bunch of horse <laughs> it really is yeah. well. it, last hand go ahead wait no please ma'am no I'm, it, it, well to me it's like the problem is that middle stuff it's it's those states in the middle that 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 red stuff Mm -hmm. Why why do they get to tell us what to do when the majority of us live out, you know, New
1: York, California? And we're paying for all this crap, really? No, 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 Wanda. You're wrong. It's the middle states. Just get rid of them. Why do they get to tell us what to do? The opposite. You dunce. (laughs) What she just basically said is why does the middle of the country get to tell the New York and California what to do? The, the own here is so glorious and beautiful. I have to detail it out, okay? The whole reason the Supreme Court sent this back to the states is for what you just said, so that if you live in New York and California, you can elect representatives to government there who represent the interests of what you want. It is the opposite of the middle of the country getting to decide what you do. This person is so utterly uneducated It pains me. And then for her to say we're paying for it all. Do you know, Miss Wanda Sykes, how much money the federal government doles out to your entitlement programs in your state? Do you guys remember when President Trump stopped that tax rebate in New York for property taxes? What happened? The federal government was reimbursing people. For their property taxes because they were so high in New York because they're in such a deficit. They can't fund any of the welfare programs they want to fund. And everybody lost their minds because they're like, my taxes are too high. We'll take it up with your state. This 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 is such a you're right, Wanda. I agree with you. Why do those blue states on the coast get to tell us what we do? We are completely diametrically opposed for the most part in our views. Now, I know there are plenty of Republicans in California and there are plenty of Republicans in New York. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is the majority, apparently, of the people that live there are hard left Democrats who are okay with everything that most of the country isn't okay with. And to that point, I want to bring you to a poll, to a poll that was released. Expanding the Supreme Court even after the Roe decision is opposed. A majority of Americans oppose adding more seats to the Supreme Court in contrast with recent calls to expand the number of justices in the nation's highest court raised by progressive Democrats and members of the public. According to a new poll, after the Supreme Court voted in favor of overturning Roe v. Wade last week, thanks to the support of uh, the conservative supermajority of justices, the idea of expanding the number of seats in the court to reestablish some balance and fairness has been floated. Well, what about all of the years that we didn't have a majority? <laughs> I didn't get in my way, so it's time to change the rules. Come on. According to an NPR... PBS NewsHour Marist poll, 54% of respondents do not want to expand the court, despite the unpopular ruling issued by the Supreme Court last Friday. Who is it unpopular to? Speaking of which, we played on Monday's show a clip of a woman screaming and then saying she had to do the dishes. That woman recorded that clip before the Roe v. Wade decision came down. And the person who initially shared it did so either unknowing to uh, did it uh, without knowing that that was the case or maliciously. And the jury's out because I have not personally seen a retraction and correction from this person. And it's terrible. It's terrible. She was screaming and everybody attributed it to her being upset about Roe v. Wade, because, of course, all we see are clips of. Leftists screaming like lunatics, but it just so happened that this woman is a conservative Christian who was having a really bad day and a lot of things going on in her life and took to TikTok to express that feeling. Now I have a, a bit of advice. There are some things that should just remain private in your life. You, You, you necessarily like you shouldn't necessarily run to social media and scream about things and cry and, and, and have a temper tantrum on camera. Um, because it, it, it's just once that moment's over and you look back at it, you're probably going to wish that you didn't show the entire world and it never goes away. It'll be there forever. Or maybe you don't have any regrets about it. I mean, that decision's up to you, but I would, I would just, you know, cautiously ponder whether or not that's a good idea because we are so used to running to socials and sharing every aspect of our private lives for everybody. And some things we maybe should just handle privately. But anyway, I digress. I, I'm so sorry um, that I shared that clip as well in that manner. And I had true, I put it on all my social media, the correction. <clears throat> I directed people to her account to apologize or to lend her some words of encouragement. I um I, I really did try to boost this as much as I possibly could to make sure that this right was wronged. But I, I, again, haven't yet seen, and I could be wrong, I could have just missed it, but I haven't yet seen the original poster, who I will not name because I'm not trying to start a, you know, a war here with anybody, but I haven't seen them do the same, which is troubling to me. It really does bother me quite a bit, actually. So I'll keep checking. Maybe they just didn't see it. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Anyway, according to this NPR poll, 54% do not want to expand the court. Um, It also asked respondents if they supported the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And 56% 56 said they opposed it, while 40% supported it. 57% of respondents also believed that the Supreme Court's controversial decision was based on politics rather than the law. And what that tells me is that they didn't take the time to actually read the decision, or the uh, opinion. And so I wrote an article. I wrote an article the other day. It's called Hidden in the SCOTUS Opinion, the Definition of a Woman, because it is. It is hidden in there. With everyone talking about Roe v. Wade, I expected this to get a little more attention, but people don't really like to read hundreds of pages of legal opinion. I do. I found this gem that no one is talking about. The Supreme Court codified the definition of a woman in its opinion. Right on pages 10 through 11, they spell it out for people like Katenji Brown-Jackson. They say the regulation of a medical procedure that only one sex can undergo does not trigger heightened constitutional scrutiny unless the regulation is a mere pretext designed to affect an invidious discrimination against members of one sex or the other. I.E. biological men cannot have abortions. I was at the doctor with my son yesterday. He ended up having poison ivy. We just didn't know what it was. Um, and I was sitting there filling out the forms, and they're asking me for his pronouns and his assigned sex at birth and what he identifies as. And I, I, I'm i like, are we in a doctor's office right now? Is this a doctor's office? What What is happening? What is happening? And in this op-ed, I I go down and I actually play, let's listen to this clip of of Australian health officials being questioned by Senator Antic. Let's listen.
2: Well, it's back in Canberra for Senate Estimates this week. And just like last week, lots of questions. But one burning question that's been on my mind is this issue about the definition of a woman and why it is I can't seem to get a bureaucrat in this building to define what is a woman. Well, today... I took it right to the top, straight to the Department of Health, and one of the most extraordinary responses I've seen to date. Watch below. Righto. Well, I'm going to finish up then, because this hasn't been very helpful, with a very simple question for the Department, and that is one which has troubled me for a great deal of time with the bureaucracy here. Can someone please provide me with a definition of what a woman is? <laughs> department of Health. Definition of a man. Definition of a woman. Anyone? It's pretty basic. Basic stuff. <laughs> Professor Murphy. Professor Murphy. <laughs> there, look, I think there are there are a variety of definitions, and I, I think a simple perhaps, one. Perhaps to give a, a more fulsome answer, we should take that on notice. You're going to take on notice yeah. the question of what a woman no, is. No, Well, there a variety. It, it's a very in- it's a very uh, it's a very contested space at the moment, and not just I mean, a woman who's born a woman, but there are definitions in it's terms really of how people identify themselves. So we're happy to provide our working definitions. On I've only been here two years. That's the best thing I've seen thus far. Thank <laughs> you so much.
1: Um, um, we'll end the show with this. <laughs> one more thing we'll end the show with. Um, there was a woman nurse who posted on Twitter and she said, she was. She worked at an Illinois hospital and libs of TikTok picked this up and she said I prescribe meds I can also choose not to prescribe them so from now on if you're a white male who votes to uh, who votes conservative your <clears throat> needs to ask God for the power to rise no more Viagra I am uh, the tweet went viral she was deemed discriminatory by her hospital which is Sarah Lincoln Bush Health Center who responded to that tweet by the way um they apologized for the action saying uh that their mission is to provide exceptional care to all. She has resigned, and she made a statement saying, I'm deeply sorry for my posts on social media. I allowed my personal feelings to spill out. Those hateful words are not aligned with how I've provided care to my patients. Sarah Bush Lincoln is a wonderful organization, and my actions have tarnished its reputation. I have resigned, and I know my patients will be well cared for. She resigned um, <clears throat> so that she wouldn't face a lawsuit the likes of what she'd probably never seen before. And I wouldn't be very comfortable. Like, who knows who's hiding in these institutions feeling that same way, which is why I don't know if you're a listener to the pre-show at Locals.Uncover or UncoverDC.Locals.com. There's a pre-show every every show day. If You guys should go over there and and subscribe and help us out. A bunch of other perks, too. Um, the, The nurse, when I was getting my surgery last week, started making political comments about Roe v. Wade, and I just zipped up my lips. Didn't say a word because you never know. You never know. That woman's putting drugs in my body. I do not need her thinking ugh. Horrible. Anyway, thanks for joining me today, guys. You have been listening to the Dark to Light Radio slash podcast show. <laughs> you can hear us every every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and also Saturdays and Sundays. If you want to hear the podcast version, you can go to TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or catch us on RadioInfluence.com. Also, make sure to go check out UncoverDC, UncoverDC.com, and you can get up-to-date investigative journalism with actual integrity. And you can listen to us on Real Talk Radio, 93.3.4. FM 1043 FM 1073 FM and simulcasting on 1010.7 FM and 1010 AM in Missouri. Great show, guys. We'll talk to you on Friday.
2: I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast.